Welcome back to the Desert Springs Church Podcast. It exists to supplement the ministry and growth of the body here at Desert Springs. My name is Chase. I am here with Drew. And Drew, we are both in ministry. Full-time. Full-time ministry. Uh, and there's there's a story to that. And there's mm-hmm. a way that we had to uh, discern yeah. that that was what we felt like we were supposed to do. Uh, this was the, the right thing for us. And that's what we want to talk about today is, uh, first, how did we end up? Uh, feeling like it was right for us to enter into ministry. You can tell that I'm avoiding the use of a certain word. Of all of the words uh, and phrases. And we're going to talk about that too. How yeah. does someone understand what is often referred to as a call? The call. The call mm. into ministry. So, uh, Drew, I, we thought we'd just start with your story. Mm-hmm. How did you end up here? What did you do wrong that got you to this point in yeah. your life? Ryan talks about his, his life in ministry as uh, he's the Forrest Gump of uh, <laughs> pastors. He has said that. Yeah. Um, which I think is adorable, but also I feel that way. Um, I feel like it just, just kind of happened, stumbled into it. Um, so there's two answers that I give. One one will be the longer and actual like, story of how I got into full-time ministry. Um, the short answer is like, what was the, the call uh, to ministry was when Ryan Kelly called me on the phone and I answered. <laughs> And he said, hey, do you want to be our music minister in Albuquerque, New Mexico? And I said, yeah. So Actually, you said no. The first time. That's, <laughs> that's another thing. That's another story for another podcast. Uh, my story goes, I was born and raised in the church, pastor's kid. My mom is a musician. My dad's a preacher. So music and church always went together. And I just always loved participating in congregational singing. And then I've been leading congregational singing in some form or context since I was 13 years old. Wow. Starting in youth ministry all the way to college ministry and then into the big leagues, um, leading the, the the gathering of the church. Um, so for me, it was just, it was very, it was very practical uh, in the sense that I was, um, my gifting was was clear and obvious that that I had that I had some skill with, with a guitar or piano and, and singing and leading. And then also that desire, I had the mm-hmm. desire to, to lead and serve the church in that way, um, wouldn't maybe wouldn't have have defined it in, in such terms back then. It was just, oh, I was good at music and mm-hmm. I like and I like church. So that that went into. Uh, I had a couple of different um, what you could call uh, experiences where um, I felt uh, the Lord's leading, mm-hmm. if you will. Uh, one one was at a youth camp where these things often happen. A lot of times, that's right. Yeah. It was like an altar call, but for going into the ministry. I've been at some of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I went down front, they anointed my head with oil. Wow. At this youth camp. And so that, w- that was it. That was a done deal. So are you like a king now? That sealed that, it. Yeah, that, it was like means? the beard running down. That's right. Uh, the, the oil running down the beard of Aaron. That's right. Um, no, I was, uh, yeah, I, I remember, I think I was 15. And, uh, but you already, at that point, you wanted, you, you thought, I could see myself doing this for I was the already rest doing of my it. life. And, and yeah, and I thought yeah. this this is this would be an excellent, I mean, my dad's a pastor, my uncle was a pastor. I just thought, yeah, why not? Um, uh, it just, it's the family business. Um, keep it keep it going. But had an immature understanding of what it really meant to be a pastor, to mm-hmm. be an elder, uh, overseer, and what it meant to, to serve the church. But I was doing it, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it. And I was mainly doing it because, because I was... Yeah, because I was gifted. And so did that push you into 
uh, trying to hone that craft better, trying to learn more about pastoral <laughs> leadership? Uh, not really, no. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, that's a good question. Um, so if, if we're in high school still, uh, after this this altar call moment where I'm like going down and getting getting oiled, um, then no, I just thought I want to continue in in serving in music as much and as any way I can because it's fun and I enjoy it. Um, but then I then I pursued music as a career outside the church, um, so was doing that for years, kind of in conjunction with continuing to serve on Sundays to serve and lead the, lead the church in that way. Because you're trying to make it in the Christian music scene, right? Yeah, I was in a I was in a band and wanted to, uh, and we did. We traveled and got a record deal and made records and and did that thing. Uh, for a while. What was your band called? Uh, band was called Canon, uh, the name of my son. So it used to be a band, now it's a boy. Are you on Spotify? Um, I hope not. Uh, so then we, uh, we we traveled, and we were more of a, what you would consider a worship band. This was the early 2000s, so that whole, that whole movement was really, really growing. The you, worship band, the worship album movement. Right. But you have also used the term boy band at certain times. Oh, absolutely. Describe. We were, we were, yeah, we, we could sing. We sang in four-part harmony, uh, so we were kind of a acoustic rock was was kind of the central uh, genre for us. But then, but then we have we we could sing like four-part harmony at the same time. So yeah, um, and we were all just really handsome, so that 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 helped with the the whole boy band thing. Um, we didn't dance though because we were Baptist. So <laughs> uh, so yeah, we played and 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 traveled, but we would do a lot of youth camps and worship. Uh, events you could mm-hmm. call it where we were leading worship slash playing a concert kind of performing we were performing a, yeah. a worship concert right but we even in back, back then we had the desire and i had the desire to make it more congregational mm. even every concert that we played i wanted it to be congregational mm. i didn't have a i didn't have a well thought out ecclesiology at the time but i knew that it was more fun when the people were singing with us yeah I, I you knew were leading that. them and singing. And so, if you've ever yeah. been to any concert, you know that that oh, yeah. that creates a, an envir- a different environment than if you're just sitting and listening to a band or a singer perform. Right. If you're involved and you're engaged with with the band and with everyone around you, you know that that creates a different experience. So I, I knew that early on and, and wanted to try to uh, cultivate that in even in our live shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we would be leading every Wednesday, uh, every weekend as well. So we'd come back and. And leading at the at the local church in Florida, and so that that the Lord used that for sure to shape my uh, gathering instincts mm-hmm. of music and how to use music to uh, to create a congregational uh, singing. Uh, and I hate the word experience, but that really is what it was mm-hmm. and and what it can be. Um, and so that was that was hugely uh, beneficial and influential in me and shaping who I am now. Um, but I but I really was just missing the theological pastoral piece of all of that. Yeah, I was developing really good musical instincts, um, but then uh, it 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 wasn't until it really wasn't until I came here. Um, so after the band ended, I was still leading full time. We did a church plant, got married. And then, like you mentioned, I had already turned Ryan down once uh, back in 2005. I was too young and immature at that time. And then, uh, and then, providentially, they needed a music guy again at the end of 2009. I came out here to interview with a wife and a child this time. I was single the first time, and it was yeah, it was 
incredibly obvious mm. and no-brainer to to come here to answer that call right. uh, because I believe, as we'll get into here uh, in a little bit, that uh, a calling involves a church actually that, calling that you. calls <laughs> and says, "Hey, will you lead us? Will yep. you pastor us, right. essentially, yep. um, in this way?" and and uh, and so yeah, I answered that call, and here I am, eleven yeah. years later, and couldn't be happier and more thankful. And you became an elder. Last year. Just over a year ago. Yeah. Yep. End of July yep. of 2020. Yeah. Right in the middle of a pandemic. So that anointing obviously worked. That's right. That oil that, finally kicked that's in. That's what it's about. <laughs> it kicked in a year ago. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Randy Pierce and I just congratulate, congratulated each other uh, a couple Sundays ago because yeah, we, both, we both, both hit a year. That's right. Uh, and what a year. What a year it oh, was man. and has been. Yeah. It's been a huge blessing and, and love this church. And by God's grace, I'll continue to do uh, what I'm doing, as long as the church will have me. That's right. Yeah, and that's a you know I was thinking about this that the tradition that I grew up in, um, the the Lutheran Church, the conservative Lutheran Church, they they don't really over spiritualize anything, which right. I, I've been yeah. very grateful for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of missed, I missed the whole altar call thing. I didn't grow up in youth groups Boy. with altar calls, and Man. um and I think there's a lot that was in hindsight very healthy about that. You know, I'm really glad for that. Um, and you know my own my own experience of wanting to go into full time ministry. Yeah, what's your story, Chase? Yeah, uh, well, I was chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, mm. and Amen. eventually uh, the Holy Spirit applied that to my heart when I was in college. Um, but I grew up in a I grew up in that tradition. My family is really faithful and really involved, and I was always a part of really good churches. Um, it just wasn't I don't think until college that that all of those pieces really clicked. And as soon as it clicked and I had this understanding of the gospel, uh, man, what I had been saved from, what I had been spared from, what I was mm. saved to. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm 20, 21 when all of that's happening and golly, man, it just, uh, you know, Matt Chandler has this metaphor about the job of parents is to just put kindling around yep. a fire and a parent can't light the kindling. They can yep. just put the kindling there. Well, my parents and the church that I was in and, and just the training I received, it was just a ton of kindling, I feel like. And yeah. then when that finally lit, man, I was I was on fire. Bonfire. Yeah. And I just had this really, I'm always uh, a talker and a communicator. Like I've just always been that. I've always liked doing that and explaining things. And as soon as I understood the gospel, I was like, this is what I want to explain to people, you know? And I, w- and I would, I mean, I just used uh, my classes and my dorm and, you know, wherever I was just as a chance to go around and talk to people about the gospel. And um, and I started getting kind of frustrated that I didn't have more time mm. to t- talk about the gospel and more <laughs> you time. You had to do other stuff. I had to do other stuff. I did. I you had, had to, bills. Yeah, I had to get a job. I had to do. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and I would just kind of, I realized that I was daydreaming a lot about, because I had started to understand too, as I was maturing in my faith, that the church is the like primary place that, people get told about gospel the gospel. explaining yeah. happens. Yeah. And and so I was just like, man, I just, you know, I was daydreaming about the church and about like, how would I, you know, try to lead the church and what would I do? And and I didn't really have any of the categories to explain any of this, but I was talking to a good friend who was a mentor and a pastor. And I just told him my thoughts. and like, man, I just keep thinking about this all the time. And I was almost done with college. And he was like, you want to be a pastor. And he didn't ask me, he just told me, mm-hmm. you know, it, that you want, this is what you want. He was reckon, recognizing a desire. Yeah, you, a desire, yeah. you know, or, or 
what Paul says to Timothy, that there's an aspiration, you, yeah. know, you know, aspires to be an overseer. But the, yeah, this pastor just said, you want to be a pastor? And I said, oh man, I do. Mm. I do want to be a pastor. That was it. And he goes, well, that's that's great. Let's let's lead you in that mm-hmm. direction. Let's do that. And it was kind of funny right there because I said, well, then should I like change my undergraduate degree to philosophy or something? Should uh, I, yeah. I was studying graphic design and and he was like, I think that'd be the dumbest thing that you could mm. ever do. You know, you're almost done. Finish that. We need more pastors with like normal people skills, yep. you know? So, so that's what I did. I finished. And then, uh, and he explained to me how seminary works. Uh, and, you know, that was in the, the denomination we were in. There was a, like seminary was a requisite to becoming a pastor. And so he was explaining to me like, okay, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll do this. You finish here. You'll go to seminary, do these things. Um, but that was, that was really kind of where it started. And even before then, um, he was really uh, kind. That church was really kind to start just plugging me into different teaching opportunities and, yeah. you know, just, just to try things out, you know, and, and to see like, okay, let's see if there's some gifting here. Let's see if you can actually teach. And um, there was always a lot of fruit that seemed to be born from that. And so the church just kept on saying, let's let's keep doing this. Let's do this more. We see it. We're going to keep on making it happen. And uh, then, you know, more more things happened. I bounced around. I ended up being Baptist. Uh, mm. and Amen you know, eventually here we are, but, yeah. but that was where the whole thing started. And there wasn't, you know, for me, again, like I say, thankfully there wasn't this kind of over-spiritualized burden. There wasn't, you didn't get you know, oil on the forehead. There was no oil. There's no anointing Man. oil. Uh, yeah. So maybe it's not real. Maybe I'm I, don't, not, I don't know if it maybe really I'm counts. not actually a, a pastor. Yeah. Uh, technically I'm not a pastor yet. I still have like right. a month or two to That's go right. before it happens. You're but candidating. I'm, yeah. I'm a elder candidate right yep. now, but yeah, that's how it was for me. And, and incredibly grateful. I still can, yeah. you know, people tell me that, um, I, I tell people that a lot. Like, I just can't believe that I get to do this for my job. Yeah. You know, that yeah, this I'm, is... I'm extremely grateful for good churches that give young guys opportunity uh, to serve and mm-hmm. to grow. And like your church did, gave you uh, some venue to build character or display the character necessary mm-hmm. to be a pastor, elder, overseer. Yeah. Um, not just the gifting which we can often yeah. put way yeah. too much weight on. And I will say the place where that was uh, that was actually most cultivated was when we, uh, when I ended up at the Village Church in, in Denton. And I already knew at that point, like, okay, I want to be a pastor. I'm, I'm working towards this. And I went to the pastor there. His name's Bo Hughes. Mm-hmm. And I told Bo, like, hey, you know, I just got here. Put me in. I'm ready to go. I'm, you know, I've got the gifting. I've got the, I'm, I'm going to go do this. And he just kind of looked at me straight in the eyes and said, Hey, why don't you just be a good member for a while? And I felt so shot down yep. and deflated. Um, but I know now that what he was doing was trying to work on that character yep. side of it. Like you don't, you know, you can't let the you can't let the gifting and you can't let the want to outpace your character and right. your preparedness for it. And that yeah. was one of the best things that anybody's done for me. Yeah, yeah, we've seen and heard too often stories of the, of the dangers and the damage that can be done when we raise men mm-hmm. with gifting mm-hmm. and charisma uh, over and above and before their character. Yeah, well, and that's like one of the qualifications for an elder in First Timothy 3, that they must not be a recent convert lest they be puffed up yeah. and fall into temptation mm. and the snare of the devil. And when you look at those, all of the qualifications, I think D.A. Carson said that they're, that they're like unexceptional. Yeah, they're the, very the ordinary. Most, the most remarkable thing about them is how unremarkable they are. Yeah, yeah, that they that it's just it was what a mature Christian but looks they're, like. But they're ordinary things that elders, qualified elders, do extraordinarily well. Yeah, uh, which I think is a good way of looking at it. Mo- models these yep. ordinary mm-hmm. things that every Christian should yep. and could 
uh, aspire to, yeah. um, with the exception of uh, the ability to teach. Yeah, um, I think that's the the one the one thing. So when we talk about gifting, ob- oftentimes that's all we're talking about is yeah. can they talk in front of people? Can yep. they communicate, teach, and lead? Yep. Yeah, because uh, you know, so we're talking about this list of qualifications that Paul gives to Timothy as he's appointing elders. First Timothy three, an elder must be. But actually, how it uh, it begins is if anyone aspires yep. to the office of an overseer or uh, we would say that's synonymous with an elder, that's synonymous yep. with a pastor, it's the same, it's all the same role. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, yep. he desires a noble task. Yep. And uh, and then, like you said, the list of qualifications, it's all character things. Mm-hmm. With this one space, yep. he must be able to teach. Yep. Um, and yeah, so that's the... That's the thing that marks what a shepherd is, what a what a pastor is, what an elder is. But going back to that first phrase, they aspire mm-hmm. to. So we've already been hinting around this, but yeah. a lot of times, especially in uh, evangelical world, even Baptist world, you will hear people say, "I am called to ministry." Yep. Uh, and you and I both, we've talked about this a lot. That is not our preferred. Makes me cringe. V- verb to yep. use. Uh, so why is that not yeah. a helpful category yeah. to say you're called to ministry? Yeah, when I hear people talk about it, and and it sounds like uh, they're using language like when when Samuel was called, right. or when David was called and and chosen by God, or when uh, Isaiah and and Isaiah six was called, um, it, and then we try to apply that to uh, to New Covenant, New Testament pastoral ministry. Right. Um, I think that's just that's dangerous. Um, well, especially because that's not. The word that the New, the New Testament uses. That's not how the New uses. Testament talks about yeah. it, right? So the only time the New Testament uses the word calling, it's in reference to salvation, right? So we, we as Christians, everyone listening to this that is a Christian, we are all called with the same calling uh, to salvation and faith in Jesus, um, and that I think for us to stay the most biblical uh, that we would save that word, uh, that calling word for uh, the context of salvation. Um, and so how it can be unhelpful is when somebody says, I'm called to the ministry, that it elevates it, it super spiritualizes that word uh, to say that this is somehow divine um, in the sense that um, God has told me. That's that's how it sounds to that's, me. Yeah, that's how people often understand it. God, God told, told me, me I'm supposed to be a minister. That I'm supposed to marry this person. Right. God told me I'm supposed to move to India. God told me. Um, and and while many of us would, would balk at that language, mm-hmm. we don't when somebody says, I feel called to the ministry. Yeah, right. I, we almost feel like that would be inappropriate to mm-hmm. say, oh, you know. Yeah, you're the, questioning God at that point yeah, right. to say, wait a minute, brother, uh, um, are you? Yeah. Uh, are you qualified? Do you have the character? Um, so, so, so in I've, the same way, like if somebody says, "I'm called to marry this person," we would say, "Hold on, there. There's a lot yeah. that that's going to be really unhealthy. Yes. That could be very yeah. damaging we have and questions. detrimental." Yes, we have good questions, just like yeah. uh, our brother Bo had for you. Right. Some, some, some. Let's pull on the reins here. Let's slow down. Yep. Let's think about this. Yep. Um, it's good that you have that desire. You aspire to something good. Yeah. So, so yeah. Back to the the whole calling thing. I just wish that we would use more New Testament language when we talk about this, and it would be more clear. More biblically clear what we're talking about, and so because it's aspire. okay to want to be it's an a elder. It's a good thing. That's what Paul said. This is a, a noble, noble task. It's great to aspire to that. 
But just because you aspire to it, just because you want that, doesn't mean you're guaranteed that. It doesn't mean that that's what God wants yeah. for you. We we use this. We use calling almost like how our culture uses this whole expressed individualism, where it's like I feel this about myself, and so that's that's right. how I define myself. Yep. I identify as a pastor. Right. Um, and, and you can baptize it with this biblical sounding language. Exactly. But it's still very subjective. So, it's very you driven. I have met a lot of guys in my life that. That have used that, and they'll go back, you know, an experience like yours, and they'll say, "Oh yeah, I was called into ministry when I was 15, 15 you, you know." Yeah. Um, and I would even say, "There, what, what do you know when you're fifteen? How can you tell that this mm-hmm. person is apt to teach yeah. when they're 15? Yeah. You know, and and then they, because of that, made a total mm-hmm. life trajectory change, yep. made a lot of choices. Yep. Sometimes it worked out well, oftentimes it did, but sometimes it was very detrimental to to and people. And at that time, all I possessed at fifteen was faith. So I had that that calling. Right. The calling of of a believer and I possessed musical ability. Yeah. And yep. and a level of charisma mm. where I could lead people. And you um, were handsome. And I was super handsome. So that's that's all I had going yeah. for me at that time. Right. Was I was I well thought of? Was I mature? Was I right. was I uh, faithful and and not given over to these other things? Right. That wasn't that wasn't part of the equation for me uh at all. And so I needed I needed a lot of time and yeah. I needed a lot of help. Well, and you've kind of gotten to this already, that that language of calling, when you say it like that, I'm called to this, it's very inward and it's very individual. Yeah. But And that's not the worst thing. I think that's where we're saying aspire is a better word mm-hmm. for that because aspire is something you can yep. argue with. But uh, people that will use this calling language more carefully, they'll distinguish between two kinds of calls. And so they'll say there is an inward call mm-hmm. and an outward call. Right. So explain that a little bit. What does yeah, that yeah. The the. The desire and aspiration uh, must be there. That's the internal side. So it needs to be internal and external uh, when we're considering uh, vocational ministry. So the internal is you aspire to it, you desire it uh, clearly, uh, you you love uh, the church, you love the word, and you, you want to teach theology. And you see that gifting in yourself. And you want to lead you people. You look at that yep. list of qualifications and you think, I'm not perfect at this, yep. none of us are, but... Yeah. As far as I can tell, yeah, I think that's... And that me. needs to be there. Yeah, it Because should. we don't want to... You don't drag anybody kicking and screaming into the vocational ministry. That, no. They're not going to last. No. Um, like First uh, Peter 5 says, you don't want them to be shepherding under compulsion, right. but with joy. Right. So we don't, uh, we don't force anybody into this, because you might know somebody, you might even be thinking of somebody right now who is just... They have, they have godly character, and they, they can speak, and they can teach well. But they don't aspire to to it. I was just mm-hmm. talking to a brother in our church recently, who I think uh, would be qualified uh, if if he aspired to the the pa- uh, to be a pastor. Uh, but he honestly said that he didn't at this time. Mm. And I thought, well, that that shows a lot of godly wisdom that yeah. he he doesn't have that internal desire. So that's the internal side. The external side, um, t- to me, is 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 way more practical and 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 obviously objective. In that, that's. Are there are there is there a church that is uh, that is assessing your character, your ability, uh, your qualifications, and then affirming that? Mm-hmm. Um, so I get real congregational mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, affirming a pastor because I don't believe that pastors exist outside of a congregation. I don't think you're a shepherd unless you have a flock, right? And a flock, in this case, that is affirming. Your ability to shepherd. They want you to be their pastor. That's right. They're calling on you. So that call is very, very practical. That is a call of the church to say, we want you to be our pastor because we see these qualifications in you. We affirm that. Right. And will you do that here? Yeah. And then 
So your answer to that call is is very simple and practical. And yeah, nice. yeah. You know, and that's a that's a good way if somebody was asking, okay, how do I figure out? I yeah. aspire. Mm-hmm. How do I figure out if this actually yep. is right? Well, that's your, this is all a community yep. project. Yep. This is the church. And, and so you start using your gifts. You mm-hmm. start trying to find opportunities to teach. If uh, you're teaching and you're leading and you're counseling, yeah. if that goes well, and other people see that it goes well, yeah. they're going to keep on asking you to do that. And yeah. it might get more formal. Yeah. And, and it's it's uh, somebody outside of you externally affirming that aspiration, saying, we want this yeah. too. We're, you, you're called this way too. And I think that's where there's one other time in the New Testament where the word calling is used probably as close to this idea as we're talking about. And that's in 1 Corinthians 7. Mm-hmm. Paul says, let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. Yep. So he says, was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone, uh, let's see. He said, each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. If you were a slave, don't be concerned about it. But if you can get your freedom, avail yourself. Then he goes Mm -hmm. on and on. So he says, look at your circumstances that you're in. That's your calling. Yeah. You know, and this is more yeah. the Reformation the idea. Yeah. 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 Is, develop this. Is that uh, whatever you are, if you're if you're in the field, you're called to be in the field working. If you're a maid, you're called to be a maid working. Yeah. You know, and so. Butcher, baker, right. candlestick maker. <laughs> That's right. So uh, a pastor in the same way, mm-hmm. you're placed into that circumstance. It's a vocation. It's, it's a calling. But even in that way, it's not this deep burning inward desire it's much more of a, a circumstance yeah, yeah. it's much more of an external thing to you constraining desire right yeah, yeah. and so uh i think that's the way the yeah. the, the right way to understand this I, th- I think so too yeah so and so what you're saying is that yeah everybody has a calling and and i and I, again i get really practical with this stuff and so i say you look in the mirror and that what you're doing what you're looking at what you're doing that's your calling right right now mm-hmm. but like they tell the slave yeah if there's, you can, if you can free yourself, there's something do it. better. If you can improve, that's fine. And if so that you doesn't wanna, mean you are locked in to being right. a cart pusher at Walmart for forever and ever, because that's what you're doing right now. That's what you're called to do right now. And yeah. we're called to faithfulness and exactly. diligence, and and yeah. do everything you hand finds to do unto the Lord. And that's such a recipe for contentment, right? Where yeah. you say whatever, whatever I'm in, yeah. this is what God has called me yeah. to do. And I know I felt that. So I yeah. had this aspiration to be a vocational mm-hmm. pastor for a long time, but that door was closed yeah. to me for many yeah. years. And sometimes there's a lot of frustration in that. I think um, there would have been more if I had this like over-spiritualized sense of like, God, I'm supposed to do this. You told me, so why are you not letting this happen? Yeah. Or what's going on? You know, yeah. I would have been frustrated with the people that aren't giving yeah. me a chance or things. People but, aspire to marriage that yeah. are single. Right. And we would not say that's a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but but, but can, to be discontent yeah. and grumble when yeah. you don't have it, like you're entitled to it. I think that's yeah. the problem is it creates a sense mm. of entitlement. But that's not that's not there. Um, and with then, pastors. So so people who aspire to the ministry, if they if they if we over spiritualize it and then it doesn't happen. So say somebody in our church or in in any church that aspires to be a pastor, um, say they even go to seminary and they they, they do all the study and training. But yet there isn't a church that has called them. There isn't that external mm-hmm. um, uh, calling, if you will, of of their of their pastoring. Um, if they over spiritualize it, and like we talked about uh, in what you just said, they have this entitlement. Um, then that can lead to yeah, great discontentment, yeah. frustration, depression. 
or um, or even you know yeah. really unhealthy patterns. And I think I see this too with missionaries. I think missionaries using this calling language, mm. uh, they can uh, kind of abuse that as well. I'm called yeah. to go here or whatever. Yep. Um, one of the things that's been a more recent trend is people just saying, well, if nobody else is going to externally call me to that, I'm just going to create that call myself. I, yeah. you know, I'm going to go start a church myself. Yeah. I'm just going to go. We, we actually hear a lot of stories about missionaries in history that have said, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go and do it myself. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's worked out well. Oftentimes yeah. we can look at examples where that, that did not work out or well. Or the whole church planting movement, which we could yeah. do a whole nother podcast yeah. about th- all you know, of that. I think that a lot of that Basically goes back said, to the confusion uh, I'm just going to plant a church. Yeah. I'll because I feel called to the ministry. And I can, and I'm going to do it, yeah. yeah. And again, I think... And we're not saying that these are all always wrong in every situation. What, what we're saying, I think, I hope, is that the safest uh, venue... The, the healthiest. The healthiest the is best through way. the local yeah. church. So let's say we've got a guy listening to this, if, if anybody is still listening to us anymore, um, that <laughs> he says, you know, I do aspire. I feel that, you know, I, I do. I think I want, I think about this. I want more. What advice would you give to them? They're not a pastor right now. Maybe yeah. they're working another job yeah. or maybe they're a student. What yeah. would you say? Yeah, I would say, good, brother. That's that's a noble task and you aspire to a good thing. Um, and then you just want to ask uh, some questions. If, if I know this person, like if they're in our church and I kind of know their character, if they're a member of our church, then I would have some contact with them or I would know other elders who do know this this brother. Um, and then I would then I would want to uh, give him some opportunity like your church did and like my church did growing up. Give them some opportunity to to grow and to lead and to teach. Uh, maybe they're a community group leader and they just need more opportunity to teach. Uh, we want to give them opportunity to do that and show uh, their aptitude to teach. Um, and then and then we have at our church um, a, a process uh, and, and we have an elder um, observing period where mm-hmm. they could come and attend the meetings and kind of participate uh, on the outside a little bit with our meetings uh, for a time. And then, and then we would move into an elder candidacy, which you're in right now, and mm-hmm. Lord willing, would be at the end of soon, um, where you would uh, you would candidate and you would be a little bit more involved in the in the decision making process. Um, I think I think we've said it this way: an observer is um, is is they participate, they have a seat at the table, but they but they're quiet. Mm-hmm. And then when you're a candidate, you have a voice, but you don't have a vote. Mm-hmm. And then you become an elder, you have you have a vote, right. um, and you're part of. Uh, more integral part of that decision-making process. So there's there's a whole process there for for d- developing elders mm-hmm. um, in our church. Uh, but yeah, you just want to see them discipling. You want to see them leading others to be more like Jesus yeah. and teaching people uh, the Bible. Yeah, uh, you know that whole that whole process that you outlined. That's elder initiated, right? So we are looking for men and saying, hey, why don't you come in and be an elder observer? But we're looking for men that are like. We actually, we just had a conversation uh, yep. as elders about, okay, who are some of these men yep. that we think we're looking at this list of qualifications, yep. who fits this description? Yep. And we came up, got, by God's grace, we came up with a long list of names. Yep. For deacons um, and elders. For deacons yep. and elders, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say, you know, somebody that's listening, maybe you're young, maybe, you know, you're, you're just uh, starting to feel this aspiration, this desire. I would say, again, go to that list and that's what you can work on, you know. Am I hospitable? Am I yep. uh, slow to anger? Am I managing my household well? I can work on those things right now. And that's a great reason to do that is because you want to lead God's church and love God's church Will you start becoming a man that's uh, qualified to do that. And I think another thing um, is if you say, I, I think I aspire to go into full-time ministry, 
get a really good understanding of what a pastor actually is yeah. and what a pastor actually does. You can even meet with any of us. Come, come you sit know, with us, yeah. We've got non, non-paid elders and paid elders, and uh, and we can tell you what it's really like. Mm-hmm. It's not... It's not that you're just doing Bible study for 40 hours a week. Yeah. You know, even if you're preaching, that's not what, you know, mm-hmm. it's um, it's hard yeah. and it's very other people oriented. And so if you say, I aspire to be an elder, but you never spend time with other Christians, you mm-hmm. know, and you certainly never spend time with other Christians that need your help and need your yeah. leadership and uh, in your guidance, then yeah. I don't know what you're aspiring to, but yeah. it's, honest. you know, so you can do that now. A lot of times that's how we say we, uh, we find elders is, we just look at guys that we can stick the name tag on, yeah. you know, that they're already doing all the stuff that an elder ought mm-hmm. to be doing. And we can just say, yeah, this is an yep. exemplary leader. Pastor. And we want to do both. We want to identify and hand the name tag to, like you said, mm-hmm. people who are already doing the eldering work. And we also want to raise up. Totally. We also want to train and raise up somebody who can go from conversion, new Christian, mm-hmm. young Christian, and grow up into yeah. into an elder. Which is why we're adding classes and more structures like that as well. Just more right. structures that we can be using yeah. to, to yeah, train these right. people up in that. But yeah, um, yeah I, I would say start there, start working on those qualifications. Yeah. And then, you know, what, like we said, the special thing about an elder that's maybe different from just any mature Christian is they're able to teach. Yeah. And so what are you teaching? You're teaching the Bible. Yeah. So that's one more thing you can, if you aspire to this, Read the Bible. Learn the Bible. Cover to cover as many times as you can. Learn the Bible because that is the food that you would be feeding yeah. the sheep if you yeah. were, if you were their pastor. So it is a noble task. Yep. Uh, I enjoy it. I know that you do too. It's not always easy, but it is such a blessing, and mm-hmm. uh, and I thank God for uh, calling us into that mm-hmm. in His way. I especially am grateful for this church that's yeah. created this space for us. Amen. And, um, yeah, so uh, church, as you're listening to this, if you have questions about what we've been talking about, what it means to be an elder or, you know, we've, we've been talking about elders, which are men, but this applies to, you know, there are women in full-time ministry as well. Women, if you feel, uh, like you're trying to find a role in vocational ministry, that's great. We would love to talk to you about that. We'd love to give you advice on that. And I would even put this out there. Um, if you can think of other men in our church that you think would be, wonderful elders that you think, mm-hmm. uh, you know that they aspire to this in some way and you know they've got all those qualifications. We want to know their name. We want to know yeah. who's who's already serving that role in your life. And and so tell us that. Say, hey, I th- if you guys haven't thought about this guy being an elder, email his name to us, info mm-hmm. at dscabq.com. But that's all we have for you this morning. It's been a fun conversation. Uh, Lord willing, we'll have another one for you next week. But until then, on behalf of Drew, I'm Chase. Let's keep spreading God's glory broader and deeper. How about you're being weird, lady? Yeah, right. Parenting makes us crazy, doesn't it? You should do the whole podcast eating Doritos. <laughs> How did that Full happen? Full time. I don't know. <laughs> I'm totally Sometimes faking right I, now. I, was, <laughs> I wake up some days and wonder, how did I get here? Oh, what did I do? What Where did, did I, I do I right go wrong? or wrong? <laughs> um, I'm checking Instagram. <laughs>